0: Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner.
1: And we're gonna bring this series to a close today. We've been in a series called Let's Dive In. And Let's Dive In is really all about getting into the Word of God. There's a lot of questions that people have, like, how do I read my Bible? Um, How do I understand the Bible? Like, these are big, big questions, right? And if you just, if you're a brand new person to faith and you don't have any instruction whatsoever, first of all, I'm going to tell you that if you'll stick with it, God will get you where you're supposed to be but if you have no instruction whatsoever, if you just open up the Bible, it can be extremely confusing. And um, and we've talked about and we've used this illustration that, that, that if you just start in the Gospels, which is the first section of the, the New Testament, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, most people can quote those, but it'll be confusing because people don't realize that these are four different accounts of the same story. They're just different accounts from different perspectives because they're from different people, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so you could be a little bit weirded out because Jesus is born, he lives his life, he goes to the cross, he dies, and then he's resurrected, and then all of a sudden you flip the page and Jesus is a baby again. You're like, man, this is a weird book. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And so I want you to realize, and I've titled today's message that it's all about the King. It's all about the King. I'm going to start with this, I'm going to finish with this. It doesn't matter if you're starting in the Old Testament and Genesis, it's all about the King. And it doesn't matter if you read through the whole Old Testament and the New Testament and the book of Revelation, it is all about King Jesus. The Old Testament points to him, and the, Old, the New Testament gives us all the important details of who this God is that we serve. And so, going back, we've looked at the Old Testament 10,000 overview. We went into the New Testament. We talked about the Gospels. A couple of weeks ago, I did a, uh, an overview on the book of Acts or the Acts of the Apostles. And, um, and then Pastor Bo, man, he did such a great job last week. Let's put our hands together for, for Pastor Bo talking about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. We know him now as Grace Church, the Holy Ghost. We're bringing the Holy Ghost back. Ghosts aren't scary, right? And, um, and just a side note, by the way, we had 40 men at our men's breakfast yesterday. <laughs> Let's put our hands together for that. Not only did Pastor Brandon and crew make uh, homemade, by the way, homemade biscuits and gravy, homemade biscuits and gravy, but also Brandon brought a powerful, incredible word and, and um, it was just awesome. So So listen, don't miss out, men, on the next breakfast, we're going to have... Twice the food that we had this last week, and uh, and if it's just because of the biscuits that you're coming, come on, and you're gonna get some, you're gonna get some dessert and the Word of God, and and uh, so anyway, today we're gonna close this series out. We're gonna talk about the rest of the New Testament. It's all about Jesus. So in the Gospels, we've got a review of that Matthew, Mark. Luke and John and then we went into the book of um uh the book of, of Acts and that's a historical account of the of the first church. Amen. So, like listen, if you're wondering what the church is supposed to look like, how many of you know you go back to the original design? Amen. And so, if you're wondering what church is supposed to look like, like spend some time in the, in the book of Acts. And after Acts, you come to what is called the epistles. The epistles isn't, it's not a word that we utilize on the regular today. I just want you to know, for those of you that have thought like I did for so long, an epistle is not the wife of an apostle. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, that must be, (laughs) epistle, (laughs) epistle simply means letters. It's letters. And so you come to these incredible letters and, and an apostle, how many of you know that the apostles were church planters? There were 12, original apostles. And what they would do is they would go to a new city, a new place, a new town, and they would and they would set up a church. And, and how many of you know that the early apostles, they didn't remain at that church, but they, 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 they began them. They didn't remain and pastor the church, but they began them. They would set up things like church government. They would raise up leadership you know what I mean? To to, to run the church, they would give instruction. and, And then what they would do is they would move on to the next town and they would begin another church and just repeat the process over and over and over again. And so these epistles, these letters were ways that the apostles could continue to instruct and give encouragement and direction to the churches that they had begun that they had established and so there's many of these epistles and um and 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 there were 21 letters that were written 21 epistles that were written to pastors or churches for instance like the book of Timothy the, 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 the letter was written to Timothy for instruction, correction, direction, encouragement. So that was written to a person which was also a pastor of a church. Others of the epistles, they were written to literally churches that were established in cities. For instance, Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus, right? And so it wasn't written to a pastor that was pastoring a church. It was written to the church itself. And so these letters are filled with all kinds of things, instruction, encouragement. How many of you know that people need encouragement? Amen. How many of you need encouragement from time to time? And so they're filled with direction. But guess what? They're also filled with correction. How many of you know that you need some correction from time to time, right? And so if you'll look, like if you are, if you're, if you're a, if you are a, I see wives, I see you, Jen. I see you, Jen. What was she saying? Like she's like, she, what she was saying is she was like, Steve, he's not saying that you need to keep correcting me. That's what he was, she was saying right there. You know, <laughs> I, I saw her immediately. I said, correction. She was like, boom. She was in your ear. She was in here talking to you about it. That was funny. I was like, she's, she's lining him out right now. Right now, she's getting him squared away. That, uh, that my correction's coming from the apostles, not you, husband. Yeah, 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 no. Um, but, uh, but we need correction. And so like, listen, if you're a brand new believer and you start in the book of Corinthians, what you're gonna see is you're gonna see heavy correction clear throughout the book. Why? Because... Corinth was in a unique situation, and they were in a unique place. They were, they, they were coming out of false god worship, and most of the leadership in Corinth were women, and they literally were stripping away the authority that men had, and so you're gonna be like, man, Paul was just so tough on the Corinthians. Man, those folks didn't do anything right. See, like, listen, they were doing their best job. They were doing some good things, right? But they needed a great deal of correction. Can I just tell you this? This is the way that we approach correction today. When somebody corrects us on something, we get all offended and we get our feelings all hurt and and we go to pouting and things like that. But please understand and know that correction comes out of love. Correction comes because the Bible says that God corrects those people that he loves. And if you don't love somebody, then what you do is you just allow them to continue to live in their foolishness. You allow them to live less than what it is that God had desired for them. Could you imagine having a child and, 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 and from, from day one of that baby's birth, you're just like, listen, I'm just going to, you know what I mean? I don't want to stifle who my, my son's going to become. And so I'm just, I'm not going to bring any correction to him. I'm just going to let him just become who it is that God has created him to become. Right? Like that might work for the first year. Wait until he gets two. And you don't, you don't start, you know what I mean, driving some things home. What you're gonna have on your hands by the time that child is five is gonna be just everything but what you were desiring. Right? You correct those people that you love, right? But yet we get all huffy and offended and you know, offended, and our, our feelings get hurt, and because we don't realize, we don't go back to the idea that, hey, listen, these people come on, have been set in place, come on, because they love me and they want the best for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's so good. Amen. I like what Davina said. She's like, I know more people should be saying amen. I like that. I was like, yeah, you're right. Amen. You know, I know more people should be saying amen on what I said just now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) You got a better response out of her. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. In the back. So, 13 of the 21 epistles were written by the Apostle Paul. Some people will argue that 14 of them were written by the Apostle Paul. But the truth is, is that the writer of Hebrews, nobody knows exactly. Who that is. A lot of people are strong believers that it was him, and other people, you know, have have other beliefs, like it was Barnabas or somebody else, but, but we don't know. But 13 of the 21 were written by the Apostle Paul. One letter was written by James, who was the brother of Jesus. There were two letters that were written by the disciple Peter, and three of the epistles that were written by the disciple of John, right? And so a lot of people are involved in these epistles and you don't want to blink because there's a tiny book which was written by Jude which was the brother of of James and if you don't if you blink you're going to absolutely miss it but Jude is filled with so much Good information on the importance of preserving the faith. Jude is a book that you need to read right now because there is a lot of people and a lot of churches that are going away from the preservation of the word of God. And so Jude is an incredible book to spend a little bit of time in. And then it ends with the book of Revelation, which Revelation, let's just be honest, it's a book that literally stands by itself. It stands on its own two legs. And so there's four groups in the New Testament. You've got the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You've got the book of Acts. You've got the epistles. And then you've got revelation that stands on its own. Revelation comes from the word apocalypsos, apocalypsos. And this is where we get the word apocalypse. And all kinds of movies have been Uh, you know put out and books have been put out over the last 20 30 years maybe even more than that but on the apocalypse and when we think about the apocalypse we think of the destruction of everything everything's just gonna burn and everything's just gonna be a waste but the book of revelation is really what it means is the unveiling It's the unveiling, and it's all about the king. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so people will absolutely stay away from the book of Revelation, A, because it's difficult to understand, and B, because they get all fearful and whatnot. You in the body of Christ have nothing to be fearful of. Amen. You need to be spending time in the book of Revelation because it unveils some truths that are absolutely important to us. So God reveals to John on the island of Patmos about the end of days, the end times. The reason why it's so strange is because John, which is a first century person, is given Uh, Insight into historical events. And so he's seeing things like a wheel within a wheel, which potentially, possibly, I'm not saying it is, but he's seeing things like helicopters and he's seeing things like bombs and he's seeing things like things that are so far advanced into the future that the way that he expresses and explains these things are he calls them things like dragons and he calls them things like fire. Imagine if you were, if you were 2,000 years ago and God gave you even an insight of what things were like today. How in the world would you explain it on paper? And so it's really not that far-fetched if you read it from the context of here's this first century person that is literally like the veil is being pulled back and he has given insight of how things are today could you imagine could you imagine it would be a little bit freaky and you would do your best to explain to a people other first century people of what it is that god had revealed to you in the future so that's an overview of the entire the rest of the story the rest of the new testament so the idea is to read your bible and to get into it read the old testament but spend a lot of time in the new testament why because it is for us today see there's so much instruction and encouragement and correction and direction for us today how many of you know that we are the new testament church how many of you really know that we're the new testament church and so There are things that we need to know about, come on, God's word to help us in the day that we we live. And so what do you really need to know? That's what we're going to talk about for the last half of my message. Number one, I'm going to give you one application and three simple principles. One huge application, massive application, and three small principles. I would encourage you to please take notes because you're going to want to come back and look at this again. Number one, the application is, is that the Bible is alive. It is not like any other book. Please don't treat it like any other book. It is alive and it is, it is, it is living and it will change your life. John six sixty three. this is Jesus's words. He said, the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and their life. The word spirit is the Greek word pneuma, which means breath. He is telling you that, listen, this word that I have is breath. Just like you need oxygen to live, treat this word in the same manner. It is like breath. Could you imagine living without breath? In fact, I encourage you to hold your breath for the next minute and see how you feel afterwards. Don't really do that. But it is breath and it is life. See, this book will mess with you like no other book on the planet will mess with you. This book will read your mail. Why is that? Because turn to your neighbor say, it's alive. It's alive. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. See, it'll do heart surgery. Come on, the word of God in the hands of the master surgeon, which is God himself, come on, will do heart surgery. It will change you from the inside out. It'll fix your attitude. Listen, if you've got an attitude problem... What you need is the Word of God, Amen. right? It'll fix your marriage. If you got marriage issues or other relational issues, what you need is the Word of God. Amen. Wives turn to your husbands and say, We need the Word of God. Husbands turn to your wives and say, We need the Word of God. Amen. Come on, if you got money issues, if you can't manage your money and you're always, come on, needing to borrow and you're always needing advancements and you're having a hard time paying your bills and you just can't get in control of your money, then what you need, sir, what you need, ma'am, is the word of God, right? It'll, it'll change every aspect of your life. But guess what? You have to allow it to do its work. See, it's it's just like, it's just like if you you know, I had this shoulder surgery, I had an injury um, that began way back, 30-some years ago when I was in the United States Marine Corps. For 26, 27 years, I just dealt with the pain. I just dealt with, 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 with the problem. By the time I had gone in The physician, Dr. Millar, he said, listen, Travis, I've seen a shoulder as bad as yours, but on a 78-year-old man. And I was in my 40s whenever I, I had it totally replaced. He said, your ball is supposed to be, you know, smooth, like a, like just a a smooth ball. Yours is like cauliflower and it's all weird and funky shaped. He said, what in the world happened? And I just began to tell him in 20 some years, I just lived with it. I just lived with it. I just grinded it out. I just like dealt with it. Foolish, 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 foolish. If you got something that needs to be replaced, go get it replaced. Don't be a fool like I was. The week after I had my ball cut off and a a metal rod shoved down my bone with a plastic socket, the week after I had that surgery, I felt a hundred times better. And I couldn't even use the dang thing but I was living in pain that I had just gotten used to. And I was like, man, oh man, why in the world? So listen, there are things available to you. The word of God is one of those things that is available to you, but guess what? It's only going to be useful if you apply it. It's only gonna work if you apply it. It'll cut, the Bible says, between the soul and the spirit. See, the soul is your mind. It's your will and it's your emotions. Come on, your soul is the humanistic side of you. It's the the dreams that you have, right? But the spirit is God inside of you. And so the word of God is the one thing that is able to penetrate between who you are without God and who you are with God. And it gets to the heart of the matter. Jesus shows us this even when he is struggling as he's fully God and fully man, but he set his Godhood aside. He shows us this struggle in the garden of Gethsemane. He's like, man, oh man, he's praying to the Father God. If there's any way, like any other way, I really don't want to go to the cross. I really don't want to. But he ends this prayer by saying, listen, but nonetheless, I'll do because I know that that is what I've been created, or not created, but that's what I've been called. That's my mission. That's the reason why I was born of the flesh. Come on, was to go to that cross. So not my will, but yours be done. See, the Bible will cut between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts. How many of you have been reading the Bible, and then all of a sudden you're like reading, and you're like,
0: Hmm, huh. huh.
1: that really doesn't match who I am. Hmm, I know it says that my thoughts should be like this, but they've really been like this. Like it gets to where you won't listen to anybody else, even your spouse, your wife or your husband, which loves you more than anybody else on the planet. At times when you won't even listen to them and they've been telling you the same thing that the word of God just exposed to you. You'll listen to because you can't argue with God in his word. I mean, people try all the time, but but that's a losing battle, right? That's That's a losing argument. So the Bible exposes things. The Bible exposes attitudes. The Bible exposes wrong motivations. The Bible exposes trickery and witchcraft. Witchcraft, there's a lot of different 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 seasons of witchcraft but one of them is manipulation if you've got a problem with manipulation you're always trying to manipulate people and manipulate situations and whatnot please let me know i want you to know this that 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 is not a spirit that comes from god that is a spirit that comes from the devil if your yeses aren't yeses, and you're always kind of trying to hide some of the truth, and, and you're just just being all witchcrafty, <laughs> and I'm telling you, this stuff finds its way in the church, and some of it may even have found its, its way in your home. I'm telling you, this is something that the Bible will expose so that you can deal with, it will also reveal pride and selfishness. So what happens when the Word of God does what the Word of God is supposed to do? It causes you to come to this beautiful place called repentance repentance is where we say God I am so wrong man I have been exposed you have exposed even things in my own life that I didn't even know that I was dealing with I have been exposed and Lord now what I'm going to do with this is I'm going to bring this to you and I'm going to ask you Lord to forgive me of dot 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 Fill in the the blank. And then what you do is you don't just say, here it is, Lord, I'm giving it to you. What you do is you you set your course in the absolutely different direction by which you were going in the first place, and you begin to walk it out. And you're gonna have tendencies to go back, but this is where we pray things like this. Lord, help me. Help me to walk what I have given to you. My flesh is saying, and what I've been taught by my parents, and what I've been taught about how it is that you deal. Come on, in this world is through manipulation, lying, Cheating, sharing half truths, whatever. I've been taught all these things, but Lord, Your Word says that my yeses need to be yeses and my noes need to be noes. And and if I if I'm if I'm called to say no, then I don't want to say yes or maybe just to make you feel better. But no, my noes are. And so, Lord, help me because I have a tendency to want to please people. I have a tendency to not want just people to know my business and where it is that I'm at. And so, listen. Help me with my unbelief. And guess what? With that honesty, with that integrity, now God can do something. He knows your brokenness. He knows why you do what you do anyway. But there's something powerful when you say, Lord, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. And he'll say, listen, I'll come up and I'll strengthen you. This is why. Listen up. You don't get anything else out of this? Listen to this. This is why we don't change the Bible. This is why this church, I don't care what culture does, whatever culture embraces, this church will always, as long as I'm here, it will always be a church that stands on the truth of God's word. I don't care if they arrest me. I don't care if they try to shut us down. This church will always be a church that stands on the truth. We're gonna share the truth in love. We're going to share the truth in love. We're going to share the truth. I, but, but I'm just telling you, we're not going to be silent just because it's not popular opinion. And I'm telling you that it is dangerous if you begin to embrace things that are anti-God's word. It's dangerous. It's not a space and a place that you want to, that you want to live in. And every single person in this place can say, you know what I mean? I've got these struggles. These struggles are a part of who it is that I am. I was raised this way. I was taught to lie, cheat, steal, whatever. Every one of you has an excuse as to why you should remain, come on, as, as just being who you are and, and, and being, being true to your feelings. Every one of you has an excuse that listen, this is just how I feel. This is just who I am. But if who you are and how you feel is different than God's word, then that is your cross to bury. That is your, that's, that's, that's you have to come to a place of sacrifice and surrender that you say, listen, I know I was raised this way, But this is different than God's word says. And so I have to elevate God's word. Come on, to be the highest importance in my life. Doesn't matter how we feel, right? Amen. All right, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. We also thank God continually because when you received it, that word received it is the Greek word dekamai. Matt was talking, no, it was, was it Matt? Matt was talking about, I think he was talking about Matthew 35 about, about I was homeless, I was a stranger, but you brought me into, into your house. That is the exact word, decamai. That is the word that, listen, when, when you have somebody over to your home for the very first time, You don't give them just average treatment. I tell you what, if I have somebody over my home for the first time, it might change after the second. (laughs) But the first time, I can tell you this, everything's gonna be where it's supposed to be. We're going to have prepared a space and a place for our guests. I am personally, not my wife, I'm gonna be at the door, opening the door and welcoming, as the man of my house, hey man, come on in, can I get you anything? Do you need coffee? Do you want some water? Do you, I mean, here, have the finest seat in the house. Here you go. Can I, listen, my house is your house. Here's where the restrooms are but just let me know if you need anything that is decomai that is the invitation come on to come in and to and to be comfortable to be received in and so it says we also thank God continually because when you received it when you received the word when you received it you accepted it not as the word of men like men wrote the word but all they did was hold the pen God is the author of the word. He's the author of the Bible from the beginning to the maps. When you received it, you accepted it not as the word of men, but actually as it is the word of God, which is at work in the lives of those that believe. Don't have time because I'm already going over. No, I'm not going over. I got plenty of time. One of the most beautiful moments in in my life in the ministry is about 20 years ago. We had gone over to Uganda. I'd been over there, I think, one time prior to to this, and um, and we had uh, churches, Pastor Gordon and Pastor Joe, and 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 uh, myself. We we had a bunch of these study Bibles. We had a hundred study Bibles, and we would go over there and we would do these pastors' conferences. Beautiful time where they would bring pastors in from. From, from just distant places, man, these men and these women would just travel to come to this conference, which was a week-long conference. And, and they, 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 they speak English as a primary language over there. And, um, and, and so they wanted English study Bibles. And so we had pulled together and we got a bunch of 100 of these study Bibles. And they were leather bound and they were really good quality Bibles, beautiful Bibles. And, and and we're thinking, cool, we're going to have this, you know, I I, I don't understand what I'm getting ready to to step into here, we're going to give these Bibles away. That's really, really cool. I've got probably 30 Bibles in my house. Right now, we've given a bunch away, but but as these men were just marching across, they would, they would get a Bible. And the first thing that many of them would do, they would just break down in tears. Like some of them, literally, it was a long process because they would fall to their knees and they would hug that Bible and they would just go all the way to the ground. And and they would just be weeping and crying because they were given this gift of God's word. And then they would come back down and most of them not even being able to keep themselves composed. They were just shaking our hands all the way, all the way down. And I was just absolutely blown away because they have a passion and they've got a desire for God's word. Like I haven't seen in these United States in a long time. My prayer has been and it will continue to be God, give us a hunger even a fraction of what it is that they have. Give us a hunger for God's word, an appreciation for God's word like these men and women showed me that day. I'm telling you, the Bible will add, come on, to your life. It will add value to every single aspect of your life. Okay, real quick, I wanna give you the three things. Number one, begin your day in the word. Every single day that you are given as a gift, begin it in the word. Yes, that means if you've gotta get up, a little bit early, get up a little bit early. Don't stay in bed, get up early and begin your day in the word. Even if it's five minutes a day, if you can't give any more than five minutes every single morning, I think you can give more than that. But if you can't, then at least read one Psalm and one proverb every single day. If you can give 15 minutes To God, every single morning, what I would encourage you to do is I would encourage you to read a little bit of the Old Testament a little bit of the New Testament and one psalm and one proverb every single day. If you can give God 20 to 25 minutes every morning, what I would encourage you to do is read a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament, one psalm, one proverb, and then find a devotion that just speaks to you. And if you don't wanna go buy a devotion, they've got this incredible app called YouVersion that literally, if you've got anger issues, or you're wanting to learn about relationships or you're, you're thinking about getting married. Like, listen, you can go into Version in the devotional section and you can type in marriage, relationships, courting. You can type in any of those things and it will give you a devotion that you can follow. So you've got it really, right? It's a free app that you can download, Version. But I would encourage you, spend some time in a real Bible, turning real pages, because I think there's something beautiful about that. Psalms is the largest book in the Bible. Psalm 119 is the largest uh, chapter in the whole Bible. So you got the largest book, and then you've got the largest chapter in the whole Bible. Do you realize that Psalm 119, it, every single verse, every single, not most, Not 90%, every single verse is about the word of God. In the largest book in the Bible, in the largest chapter of the Bible, what does it talk about the importance of God's word? We got Psalm 119, just an example. Verse 147, 147 verses, and that's not even the end of it. This is what it says. I rise early, and this is King David saying it. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and I put my hope in your words. My promise to you, my money back guarantee is that if you read your Bible, your life will be changed and transformed for the better. Amen? If you read your Bible, if you apply it. Number two, I want you to study your Bible. I don't want you just to read it every morning. What I want you to do is I want you to study it Every single day, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 says this, study this book of instruction continually. It says meditate on it. To meditate on it is literally just to think about it throughout the day. So if all you can do, if all you can do is give God five minutes a day, then read your Proverbs, read your Psalm, and then throughout the day, just think about what it is that you read that morning. And guess what? I'm just telling you, this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna find yourself in situational positions that the very word that you read that morning is going to be applicable to what it is that you're facing that day. You're gonna be like, wow, that is so weird. No, it's not weird because I wanna go all the way back to what I said about 15 minutes ago. God's word is alive. It's alive and it's able, come on, to help you. So study it. It goes on to say, why do we meditate on it day and night? So that you can obey everything that is written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed. And so the idea is to know it, but not just to know it. You know it so you can obey it. So when God's word says A, B, C, but you're feeling D, E, and F, you go back. Now that I know it, I can obey it. How in the world can you obey something that you don't know? How in the world can you fall in love with somebody that you don't know? Well, I go to church and I hear what Pastor Travis and Pastor Javi and and all the other people that speak, you know what I mean? That's enough, isn't it? No, it's not enough. It's not enough. We need to know his word. We need to know him in and through his word. So how do I study it? Number one, get a translation that you like. This is all still under number two. How do I study it? Get a translation that you like. Some people, they are of the opinion that, man, oh man, there's all these new translations coming out. This is over 2,000 years, and the Bible's just being diluted, and it's being diluted, and it's being diluted, and it's being diluted, and it's being diluted. And I'm just telling you, and in love, like this is the correction part of the service, In love, if you're of that opinion that God's word is being diluted, I'm just telling you as your pastor, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's not being diluted. Why can you say that? How can you say that? Because when a new translation comes out, like a literal translation comes out, it's not being translated off of the previous translation. Like the King James Version wasn't the original Bible that came out. It's a wonderful, I know, I know, that's crazy. It's crazy to think, but it wasn't like the first one. I just want you to realize that. And if you love the King James, God bless you, I love it. I cut my teeth on the King James. I had 32 Bibles by the time I was 12 because my grandfather kept giving me one. Not that many, but like literally. I, so when I gave my heart to Jesus, I went to what I had was the King James, cut my, love the King James, wonderful. But listen, the New King James wasn't translated off the King James. And the ESV wasn't translated off of the King James. And the NIV wasn't translated off the King James. All of these Bibles that have been translated were translated off of the original manuscripts. And guess what? We still have the original manuscripts. And so it's not been diluted down over time, okay? Okay, amen. Amen. So find something that you like and read it. Like literally find a version that's easy for you that you enjoy and read it. Don't punish yourself by having to learn the old King James language just to be true to the King James Bible because somebody said that that's the only one that there is that God's gonna really speak to you and protect that's crazy. And if you believe differently, that's wonderful. And that's fine. But I'm just telling you that they weren't translated off of previous translations. All right. Three things to consider. There's, there, I'm going to break these down. There's formal equival, equivalency, which is, which is where the King James comes from. It's literally translated word for word. Somebody say word for word. So formal equivalency, even if the sentence structure doesn't make a lot of sense in our language today, they are still true to word for word. And so somebody say there's a blessing in that, right? There's a blessing in that, but how many of you know that, that, that as you take something from one language and you translate it over to another language, the sentence structure doesn't remain? If you don't know that, then just think about Spanish. I almost fell off the stage just now. <laughs> I almost fell off. People have been wondering, when are you going to fall off that stage? You really play it close. I almost did it right there, and I would have recovered fine. I would have rolled out and no, I'd have been crying like a child on the ground, I'm sure. Pastor Javi would have come up and, and finished the message out, and I'd have been under the anointing, you know. But um, I don't even know where I was formal equivalency. word for So Spanish, right? Spanish. Spanish, they flip everything around. Right? I almost wonder if somebody that's dyslexic would have an easier time <laughs> speaking Spanish because it's like, oh, this should have been my first language anyways. You know what I'm saying? But they flip everything, and so, so you have to change some things. And so you've got formal equivalency, and then you've got functional equivalency, which is still true, absolutely true. But what it does is it takes you thought by thought. It doesn't remove anything, and it doesn't add to anything. It just structures it in a way that's a little bit more pretty, come on, in the language that it is written in, right? So formal equivalency, let me give you the ones that are under that. We've got the King James Version. We've got the New King James Version. You've got the ESV, which is the English Standard Version, and people that are much smarter than I am, they will say, and I have heard said, I'm, I'm not the guy saying it, I'm just passing it along that the ESV is, is one of the most true, like word for word that you can, that you can get, and it's not in the, in the King's language. And so, so you've got the NASB, the New American Standard Bible um, as well. And then under functional equivalency, you've got the NLT. The New Living Translation, like this is one of my favorite personally to read. I really, I really like it. I prefer it. Um, I really just, I just, it just, it just, it just speaks to me. But the NLT is Functional Equivalency. The Good News Translation and today's English version. And then the NIV is the most popular one and we'll utilize the NIV a lot in this house. Why? Simply because since 1987, it has been the number one purchased Bible that are out that's out there. And and there's a lot of controversy. And I remember I was in the church at the time that um, that uh, the, the, the NIV was really gaining some traction and and boy oh boy you want to talk about some people up in arms that were king james people that that this NIV and man that's heresy and this and that but if you look into it 100 scholars had gotten together and they translated the NIV using both functional and formal come on as their as their approach and so it really really is a great great bible to utilize, And then you've got paraphrase. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on these, but paraphrased, you wanna talk about somebody that will crucify you. I remember the first time that I, that I posted the message translation up on the screen behind me. It's a paraphrase. But you wanna talk about people getting nasty. I cannot believe that you, Posted the or the the message up on the screen behind me. Let me share with you what the paraphrase is. The paraphrase is when somebody come on, takes the Bible and then they reword it into what it is that 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 that, 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 that they see how come on it, it it reads. And so you've got a personal opinion. And so while I would agree, that I would never go to a paraphrased Bible as my go-to Bible, to say that there's no use for it is just a little far-fetched for me because if if you spend any time in a commentary, if you like to read things like that, you know what I'm saying? For those people that say there's no place for the message, well, you should never read a commentary then either. You should never ask somebody. That's what I do every single week that I get up here is share with you thoughts that I have on the word of God. And every other pastor that's ever been a pastor since the beginning of time is sharing what it is that they feel the word of God is saying. But yet people will get so stinking nasty that, that, oh my goodness, that's not even the word of God. Yes, it's not my go-to, but I'm telling you from, from time to time, like the living Bible, the, 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 the message, um, I'm just saying that sometimes it's really interesting to see, come on, how they read. Now listen, there is a danger, and I'm going to share with you the danger. The danger is when a, when a translation, it puts off like it's a translation, but it's not a translation. See, because I think that a translation needs to be done by, by educated people and several of them that know how and they've got education in the translation process. And there are a couple of them. I'm just going to share one of them out there. It's okay if you read it, in my opinion, whatever that's worth. It's okay if you read it like, come on a uh, uh, like the message or one of these others. But there's a translation that is saying it's a translation when I think it's more along the line of a paraphrase, and that's the Passion Translation. And so it's scary whenever you have a Bible that says, hey, listen, I'm a translation, but if you look at the people, come on, that are behind the translation, none of them have, have any, any um, what's, it, what's it called whenever you've got, what is it? Credentials. Yeah, that's it. And so listen, there's nothing wrong with reading that if you're going to read it like a paraphrase, but to say that it's a translation, I just think you get off into the weeds, my opinion. Maybe I'm just getting old, I don't know. Maybe I'm, you know what I'm saying, maybe I'm just getting old, but is everybody all right? Are we okay? I'm really trying to speed things up here. Okay, stop asking how people are and just get it done. So I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you an example. So the King James Version, which is formal equivalency, it says this, "'Charity suffereth long and is kind.'" Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Who can tell me what vaunteth is? Who could tell me? Vaunteth means boastful. We don't use this language, so why not use a language that people know, right? If you like something other than the King James, you can learn a new language, But charity vaunteth not itself, it's not puffed up. We get that. The NIV says the same scripture like this. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, and it's not proud. The message says it like this. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than it does itself. It does not want what it does not have. It does not strut around, and it does not have a swelled head so you see that all of them right you can get things out of all of them it's virtually kind of saying the same things but the message would be used come on for um what's it called texture the message would be wonderful to use as texture but don't let it be your go-to that's just my my own personal opinion so get a translation enjoy studying the bible use paraphrases for enjoyment the idea is study the Bible and and, and if you want to get if you really want to study the Bible, get a study Bible. A study Bible, everybody's talking about these study Bibles. What is that? Going back to the basics. It's the Bible and whatever text that you choose, but then there's a commentary at the bottom of pretty much every page that gives an opinion as to historical events that were taken during that time, the culture, why this is so, you know, and so this is somebody's opinion on The text above, and so I would encourage you if you don't have a study Bible, get a good study Bible. And a couple of those are the Life Application Bible is a very popular one, and then I shared one with you the couple of weeks ago, the Spirit Field Study Bible, which is one of my favorites because it it really brings in the Spirit Field life into um, into focus. And so the other thing too, and I'm closing with this, Matt. All right. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I didn't know if we were going to get past paraphrased Bibles. Um, if you really want to study the Bible, like get into a small group. You know, I was thinking about this late last night. I was thinking, man, it would be my, my original thought was that a small group really needs to have like somebody that's a little bit more versed in the Bible come on to lead the small group. But let me tell you something, I was checked in my spirit. I was checked in my spirit. While that would be wonderful and it would be beautiful, like the truth is is you could get a bunch of brand new people together that didn't know a whole lot about the Bible and every one of them have a study Bible and you could could choose a topic or you could choose a direction or you could choose a book and just begin to read a little bit and then just open it up and say guys what is the holy spirit speaking to us about in these scriptures now listen it's possible it's very possible that some of the things that are mentioned during that time some of the opinions that are talked about during that time may not be right they may not be right but you know, when I started reading my Bible, that's exactly what I had. I had myself and the Holy Spirit, and then I got involved in a small group with Dave Duncan and Roy Rojas and and uh, Ray Wright and 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 while we were, you know, all about the same age and. And, and, and some had been in church for a lot longer. There was none of us that would have ever been even close to the category as scholar in that group. And we just would read and we would pray and we would talk about the word of God and, and God would always show up. And some of the beliefs that I had maybe during that time changed during that time and or they've changed over the course of time. But all I'm saying is, is that God is faithful. If you will but read it, and it doesn't have to be a classroom environment, you can have a bunch of your peers that if if it was just a few of you or two of you or five of you, and nobody really knew, I'm promising you this, that if you begin with prayer and say, Lord, we're getting ready to dive into your word and we've got good commentary here we got, some, we got some structure. We got some, some things that we can read into by looking at what other people you know, say about this. I'm telling you this, that if you will just but get into it, God will reveal himself, amen? He will reveal himself. And so the ideas don't look for perfect situations. If you've got, it can even start just in your family. Well, who's gonna lead it? Let God lead it. Let God lead it and just talk about it and work through it and see what it is that God will do. And then the other thing is, is guys, I can't tell you enough. It's important that you regularly attend Grace Church. And if Grace Church isn't the church for you, that's okay. It's totally fine. We're not begging you to stay here. We love you. We would love to serve you. But if there's another church that serves better and and just kind of fits in line with who you are, then get involved in that church, but attend it regularly. Like we really have to get back to the basics of making first things a priority. Amen. And, um, and, and it's been this way for a long time. People will get excited and big things will happen. And then when their life gets back on track, you know what I'm saying? They'll disappear for a period of time and make the church a, an important part of your life because it's valuable and you'll learn some things. It's not the only place you're going to learn some things. You're going to learn things in your word, but it will confirm some things. As you read in your own in your own time it'll confirm some things and who knows maybe you might come to us and say, "Hey, listen, you said this, but this is what I'm thinking and I think I'm right." And maybe you are right. You know what I'm saying? God can use God can use us to God can use us to strengthen each other, amen? Amen. So good. So the Bible says, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, the day of evil comes. How many of you know the day of evil is here? You are able to stand. How do you stand? You stand by taking up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, this is what Jesus did when he was tempted and tried in the wilderness. Brandon spoke a little bit about this yesterday. The devil would say, listen, you're hungry. You've been fasting for 40 days. And why don't you turn this rock into some bread? And come on, you deserve it. And and Jesus fought the devil with the word of God. And if you don't know the word, how are you going to fight the devil with the word, right? You need to know it. And so the whole Bible is about Jesus. It's about the king. But my question in closing is this. Do you know him? Do you know him? Are you known by him? Do you belong to him? And of course, you're gonna gonna know God. Even if you've been serving God for 30 years, you don't know him fully. Like he's gonna continue to reveal himself to him. I think honestly, all throughout eternity, it's gonna be about knowing more about who God is. But amen, do you belong to him? Maybe something is spoken to you today because the truth is, without the spirit of God, without belonging to him, like you might be able to gain a bunch of head knowledge by reading your Bible, but it's not gonna change your life like it will if you belong to him. And I just have to ask you, are you saved? If you weren't here tomorrow, like you passed away in the night or something happened today, are you sure that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus? And if that's yes, then man, God bless you. Like, I know that's the case for me. And please understand, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I still have flaws. I got issues, but I know where my redemption comes from. It came from that cross, which Jesus willfully went to, gave me his life so that as I believe in him and as I receive him, my name is written in that Lamb's book of life. Amen. But is your name written there? Do you know where you're going to spend eternity if you weren't here tomorrow? And the truth is, is the best thing that you can do, even before diving deep into your word, the best thing that you can do is repent of your sins, which means to ask God to forgive you and turn away from them and receive salvation through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for these that have come to this place and they said, I need Jesus. I need to be forgiven of my sins, and I need the Holy Spirit to come into my life. And for those of you that know, keep your eyes closed. When I say the Holy Spirit come to your life, what that means is that the Spirit of God will literally come in and reside with you. He doesn't, he doesn't dwell in buildings, he dwells in hearts. And so that's all that that means. So Lord, right now we ask you to forgive us of our sins. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Baptize me with the Holy Ghost. That means fill me up with the Spirit to overflowing. And Lord, my life, I declare this day, belongs to you. I love you, but I also know, Lord, that I'm going to need help. Come on, to walk out this commitment that I've just made. Please help me in the days to come. In Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said amen and amen and amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much.
0: That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch.